High in the hills of southwest Poland. This area is called Silesia, isn't it? Lower. Lower Silesia. Okay. It's a difference. Where is Upper Silesia? There's no Upper Silesia. <laughs> no, it's Silesia and Lower Silesia. Oh. It's more to the south of Poland. Right. Okay. And it's upper because it's a little bit more. We're getting south. a little geography lesson here <laughs> right now. <laughs> we should also get some. We're getting more information than we asked for. Oh, Magana Timanandasya, Yananjana Shalakaya. Chakshuran militam yena, tasmai shiguravena. Shi chaitanya manovishtam, stapitam yena bhutale, svayam rupa kadamahyam, tadati svapadantikam. Vandeham shri guru, shri yukta padakamalam, shri gurun vaishnavanscham. Shri Rupam Sagrachatam Sahagana Raghunatam Vitam Tam Sajivam Sadvaitam Savadutam Parijana Sahitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Shri Radha Krishna Padan Sahagana Lalita Shri Vishakan Nama Om Vishnu Vataya Krishna Prashtaya Bhutale Srimate Bhaktivedanta Swamin Itinam Namaste Saraswati Devi Gaudavani Pracharine Nivisesha Shunyavadi Aschatyadishatarine Vanchakapatrubhyascha Kripasindubhya evacha patitanam bhavanebhyo vaishnavebhyo He Krishna karana sindhu dinavando jagatpate gopesha gopika kanta radha kanta namastate takta kanchana gaurangi radhe vrindavaneshwari Rishavanu Sate Devi Pranamami Hari Hari Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhunityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhar Shri Vasahi Gauravaktarinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. We can begin with our continuation of uh, the songbook Kalyana Kalpaturu of Srila Bhakti Thakur, uh, song number two. Uh, Upadesha song number two, um, Mana 
tumi bhalobasa kamer torongo torongo um, this is a song about kama kama means desire it means lust and here in our translation of i believe Dasharatsuta, it's going to be translated as lust. But the broad meaning is simply desire. Um, and it's, of course, contrasted with prema. Um, and the definition is given in Chaitanya Charitamrita, Atmendriya Pritivangsha. Karebali Kama, Krishna Krishna Priti Icha, Dhare Prema Nama. Kama is the desire to please one's own senses, and Prema is the desire to please Krishna's senses. So they're both the desire. But of very different qualities. My dear minds, we have another prayer to the mind. You are so fondly attached to rolling to and fro upon the waves of lust, abandoning your sensual material lust. Just render service in pure spiritual lust, spiritual lust, aprakrita, and thus extend yourself into the realm of transcendentally uncommon pastimes. Nistarhaho aprakritaranga. Oh, shudha kama, that's spiritual lust. Shudha kama seva. Next, this is a short song, three verses. Um, second line, second verse. It is not possible to quench the thirst of this temporary mundane lust. Anitya jadiyakam shantihin abhisram. For its nature is to continuously create a disturbing situation. Um, Santihin Abhishram. Abhishram. Okay, the B in the transliteration here. Uh, in Sanskrit, it would be a V. But in Bengali, B and V are basically the same, pronounced as B. So it's Vishram. Uh, in Sanskrit, and then the opposite, Abhishram, Bengali, Abhishram. Um, hmm. And even if you do get the things you lust after, you cannot keep them. Tabu Tahanahi Pau. For such temporary things will give uh, 
will give up your company very soon. <laughs> it's a funny way to put it. Uh, yeah. They will give up your company. Not that you will give up its company. It will give up your company. It will renounce your company. <clears throat> and the third verse, which is twice as long as the first verse. Uh, my dear mind, you faithfully render service to this mundane lust. But I see that it actually cannot give you anything substantial. Rather, it simply burns my entire body with miserable dissatisfaction. Charo Tamimichakan Hautumi Satyakan. So then, just give up all your false material lust and just accept the true spiritual lust. <laughs> spiritual lust, Satyakan. Um, by worshiping the Cupid of Vrindavan, Bhajo Vrindavanir Ananga. Ananga is a name for Kamadeva or Cupid. Uh, as some of you know, um, Anga means, well, it can mean limb, as in a part of the body, but it can refer to the whole body. Um, which is so many limbs. And then ananga is without a body. So Kamadeva has no body. And why does he not have a body? Because he was burned to ashes when he tried to disturb Lord Shiva. Lord Shiva looked at him like in some comic strips or uh, cartoon or animations with his laser eyes. And uh, comedy was burned to a crisp. <laughs> we say in English, burned to a crisp. Um, but Unfortunately, that's not the end of the story. It would be great if that would be the end of the story. It would mean there's no more lust in the world. But then what did Kamadev do? He entered into every body. And therefore every body, every, anyone who has a physical body experiences the presence of comedy in the body. Clever, isn't he? Yeah. So Ananga, um, so then just give up all your false material lust and just accept the true Spiritual lust by worshiping the Cupid of Vrindavan, Ajo Vrindavanir Ananga. 
then he will shoot your spiritual body full of his flower arrows. Yeah. Jahar kusuma sare tava nitya kalevare. And you will thereby become filled to the brim with eternal ecstatic love for him. Okay, that's good news. Vyat hobe prema antaranga. Hmm. Okay, today we have a whole band with us, <laughs> whole backup music group. First verse is three lines, so the first line is kind of, I don't know how you're supposed to sing it. I think without, without the first line. Ipasa, 
Excuse me, apologize. Uh, we can't he hear you, most probably because of the microphone was saturated with the sound of bhajans, so it's still in like a low level mode. So maybe if you can maybe increase the volume on your on your laptop or something, if possible. Is this better now? Yes. Yes, now it's okay, Guru Maharaj. Now it's, now it's fine. I don't know why it was set so low, actually, but okay. Okay. I was going to say, Charo Tobe Michakam, how to me Satyakam, Bajo Brindavanir. Ananga, which reminds me. <clears throat> yeah, this uh, it's nice distinction being made. Material lust, michakam, and satyakam is translated here as true spiritual lust. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And uh, in the Bhagavatam, Canto, well, it comes uh, more than once. It comes in the seventh Canto, chapter one, and also in the tenth Canto that Shukadev Goswami is saying that one can be purified, one can approach the Lord through all sorts of moods. Mm. Uh, he even includes bhaya, fear, and the example is uh, kamsa. And uh, kama, 
is included, and the example is the gopis. That the gopis have, yeah. The word kama is, you know, as I said, you can translate it as desire in general, or lust more specifically. Um, but in that sense of lust, um, we can even approach the Lord. And here, Bhaktivinodakur is making this distinction, uh, Micha Kama and Satya Kama. He's not saying Kama and Prema, he's saying Micha Kama and Satya Kama. So I just find that interesting, this um, different terminology, if you like. Yeah, we were talking about language. Some of you maybe uh, saw and heard discussion I had with my previous professor, Keith Ward. Um, <laughs> yeah, we kind of got uh, off on that subject of language and interpretation and uh, whether whether language is adequate uh, to communicate. Well, that was maybe tangential, but how do we understand language uh, about God in particular, about spiritual reality and spiritual truth? And the fact that language can be interpreted in so many and a number of different ways and that um, the nature of language is that it can be understood in many different ways. And I was just pointing out that indeed the Bhagavatam is poetry and poetry is like that. Uh, it, gives, uh, it gives suggestion. If we'd had maybe more time, I might have explained uh, to him about the Bhagavatam in particular, we may have talked about this, that Jiva Goswami says it uh, has three ways of teaching. Uh, it can teach as a Prabhu, as a master, as a Mitra, as a friend, or as a Priya, uh, as a beloved. And the Priya is associated especially with poetry Mitra is like um, Puranas, which is also poetry, but it's pretty kind of straightforward language. And then Prabhu is more like Dharma Shastra, do like this, don't do like that. But the Bhagavatam gives it all in a very sweet way because the Bhagavatam gives it all in the form of narratives. Another thing I was thinking about this afterward, it's always in a conversation like that, uh, I always think, oh, I could have said X, Y, Z. <laughs> I should have said, and uh, I didn't. A lot of things I was, uh, maybe wanting to disagree with in his understanding, but I was being deferential as senior 
professor and so on. And uh, it wasn't anything wrong he was saying, but I felt some of it, you know, is maybe not the whole picture. Uh, but anyway, it came to my mind uh, on this point of communication of ultimate reality that the vision of Srila Vyasadeva seems to happen without words. Bhakti yogena manasi samyat pranihite male apasyat purusham purnam mayam mayam chatat apasyayam. Apasyat, he saw, doesn't say he heard, uh, doesn't say he read. He wasn't reading about uh, the absolute truth or whatever, but it says that he saw, it was a vision. And uh, yeah, that's just something to think about. There's all the Bhagavatam is elaborating on his vision, but the vision itself, at least the way it's described, uh, was silent. There was no language involved. Then on the other side, uh, I was thinking of Lord Brahma in the Brahmita, uh, the first uh, 20 something verses are describing the spiritual world in a very tantric sort of way, like a yantra and describing the process of creation. Describing um, how the Lord creates by his glance and so on. And then start the prayers of Lord Brahma, uh, or it describes that he, he realized he's, he's um, he, in his case, what was it? He heard Krishna's flute. And I actually, I haven't looked at this for a while, which comes first, but I think he hears the flute first and then he hears the mantra, or is it that he hears the mantra and then the flute? We'll have to look it up. Maybe someone can do that. Probably Avaduta Rai will find it if he's with us. He's <laughs> so anyway, uh, there's hearing of the flute, and flute is well, is it language? Someone may say, yeah, it's the original, it's the original language. Yeah, actually, my professor said that he made that point uh, toward the end. Uh, that he appreciates music in particular as uh, as communication. Yeah, maybe we should close. Mm, okay, what am I? I'm just rambling again. Um, yeah, so Micha Kama and Satya Kama. Uh, two types of kama described here, or, or 
as I mentioned before, Chaitanya Charitamrita, there's Kama and there's Prema. And the example is given of mm, Kama being like iron and Prema like gold. One can say they're both metals, so they're the same. Mm, same? Well, in some respect, they're the same. But in important ways, they're radically different. And if someone comes with, you know, uh, half a kilo of iron and, and a half a kilo of gold, says, which would you prefer? Take whichever one you want. You can't have both, take what you want. Uh, probably most of us would go for the gold. So prema is that gold. That's what we are interested in. Uh, and that's what Bhaktivinoda is interested in. So he's praying to his mind. Mm, you've been faithfully rendering service to this mundane lust. And what's been the result? Uh, it hasn't given uh, you or me uh, anything substantial. Tumi seva korunjade se toma bhajite nare bhajite nare nare. Rather, it simply burns my entire body. Dukkha, dukkha. Jale Jvala, Jale Vinoder Anga, Vinoder Anga. Describing his body as Vinoder Anga, a body of Vinoda, of, uh, of pleasure, of pastimes. Um, interesting. So here's where this line comes. Uh, just give up, charo, all your false material lust, mitchakam. And just accept uh, how, how to me satyakam. Just accept the true spiritual lust. How? Um, Bajo Vrindavanair Ananga by worshipping the Cupid of Vrindavan which brings us to Manashiksha of Srila Raghunath Das Goswami verse number two Nadharmam Nadharmam Shutigana Niruktam Kilakuru Raja Radha Krishna Prachara Paricharyam Ihatanu Sachisunam Sachisunum Nin Sorry Sachisunum Nandishvarapati Sutape Guruvaram Sachisunam Sachisunum Nin I had this before. <laughs> 
It's always when you're on stage. Sachisunam nandishvarapati suttatve guruvaram mukunda prishtatve smaraparamajasram nanumana. Indeed, he's again advising the mind, do not perform any pious acts prescribed in the Vedas and supporting literature or sinful acts forbidden in them. Staying here in Braja, please perform profuse service to Shri Shri Radha Krishna. Prachura uh, means profuse, means a lot. Prachura paricharya, service. Tushishi um, Radha Krishna, Radha Krishna, Prachura paricharya. Iha, here, uh, suggesting Raghunathas Goswami, he is in Vrindavan. He's not saying go to Vrindavan. Prahlad Maharaj was advising his father in Prabhupada's translation of the verse, um, I suggest you go to Vrindavan. <laughs> uh, the Sanskrit says go to the forest, but Prabhupada says go to Vrindavan. <laughs> so um, Raghunath says stay in Vrindavan. You're here. Now, staying in Vrindavan, please perform profuse service to Sri Sri Radha Krishna. O mind, unceasingly remember the son of Shachi as the son of Nanda Maharaj. Shachi sunum nandishvarapati suttatve and Sri Guru as the dearest servant of Lord Mukundash. Sachi sunum nandishvarapati suttatve guru ganam mukunda preshtatve smaraparamajasram nanamana. Smara means imperative, remember. Krishna tells Arjuna in Bhagavad Gita, chapter 8, verse 7, I think. Uh, how does it say? Tasmat sarveshu bhuteshu mam anusmara yudhyacha. Therefore, because just before this he says, whatever your consciousness is, your attention at the time of death, there you will go. Therefore, he says, tasmat, sarveshu kaleshu, at all time, or in all times. Uh, in every moment, you could also take it. Tasmat, sarveshu kaleshu, mam, anusmara, yudya, cha. Two things at once. <laughs> Krishna's telling Arjuna to do two things. 
At first, he's telling him to fight. Just get up and fight. But now he's doubling the challenge. <laughs> he says, get up and fight and think of me. Hmm. And someone may say, well, I have a one-track mind. I can only <laughs> think of one thing at a time. But uh, Krishna's saying, no, you're going to have to make it a two-track mind. But actually, it's not two-track. It's one-track because you'll be thinking of Krishna if you're uh, doing your fighting, your service, whatever it is, for Krishna. That will be thinking of Krishna. But the word is anusmara. But what I wanted to say is it just now struck me that the word smara is also uh, meaning Cupid. Yes, Kamadeva is also known as smara. Interesting. Well, in any case, um, there's Michakama and there's Satyakama. And the way we get the Satyakama, Bhaktivinoda course says, is Bhaja Rindavanir Anaka. So nice. Okay. Hare Krishna. Welcome again, everyone who has joined us over the last half hour. Uh, we're broadcasting. I always remember when I was a kid, you'd hear that on the television, see it on the television. We are broadcasting from downtown Denver or whatever. <clears throat> so we're broadcasting not from downtown Denver. We're broadcasting from Lower Silesia, high in the hills of Lower Lower Silesia, Silesia, six hundred to seven hundred meters high. High mountain, very high. So we have some show and some tell and some show and tell. And um, before I invite um, Hemangi Gopi and Sugopitam Kavidya, I have a show and tell, which is very short. And that is, I just received as a gift this very nice pot, which is, uh, the pot was turned, was made by Rameshwar in, um, What's that town you live in? Legnitsa. Legnitsa. He is our, he is our uh, Polish potter. Yakshamuli potter? Garncash. 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 And, uh, and then it's been painted by uh, Polish Kaveri Mataji, who is here on the farm near Shantipur, and it's very elaborately uh, painted. You can see it has all kinds of ornamentation on it. 
and a cow, of course. Her husband is the cowherd here. So, so. I won't tell you what's inside this pot. <laughs> Something nice. Um, yes, I've just finished my show and tell. No, what I wanted to say is that mm, a couple of things. One is I think about clay pots uh, a bit recently because we're talking about um, Vedanta and clay pots feature quite a bit in Vedantic discourse. Clay and clay pots. And what is the relationship between a clay, between clay and clay pots? Uh, but the other thing is that mm, there is skill and there is talent involved uh, in making such a pot, in painting. And uh, both of these can be learned. Oh, is the Swami telling us now we should all become potters? No. What painters. We're, painters? No. What we're saying is that um, whatever your talents are, you can develop them. We all have some, some little talents bigger talents, and we can develop them. Mm. Yeah, well, that's a bigger subject, but I think let's proceed. And uh, I think, Hemangi Gopi, you had something? Hare Krishna Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances. Hare Krishna. God, family, so happy to be with all of you. I don't have anything to show, but uh, I have something to tell, which I found very inspiring, actually, and um, I think could be also inspiring for some of you. So uh, since I'm doing my researching now, I, um, I actually, I'm about to do some interviews with um, um, some very, very prominent um peace activist, like religious leader and something like that. So um, every week I'm meeting one colleague, colleague of mine and we together are just doing all these academic pre-activities, for example, like a data collection, literature review, different type of questions. So we are analyzing, preparing ourselves for this thing. And then a couple of weeks ago, so I was also attending this amazing Sangha and I hear from Audarya Chandrika when she was sharing this uh, thing about attentive listening. So I was then, I asked her to send me that, that recording. So then I went through that couple of times and then I realized this is so amazing and this could be very helpful for my researching. And then when I met my colleague, so we also start um, about these theoretical academic things. So I told her, today I have something special. I have some really special recording. And then I find it 
very useful and I, I do believe that it could be also useful for your researching. So I <laughs> let her to, to listen all the recording and she was like, oh, some, some saints are, are, someone is talking, someone is listening for seven days, how that can be? And like I said, this is this one friend of mine, she's actually combining her professional career and also her spiritual practice. And it's really amazing tip, which we are trying to pose our mind, try to listen and then connecting, hearing and listening and all these things. And then my colleague said, wow, this is so amazing. This is really so amazing. This can not only be useful for our researching, but also for our life, for improve our relationship with our family and all other relationships. So can you please send me this recording? I also want to listen every day and really use it as a tool for improving my relationship. So I did it. It was really, really, really amazing experience that also from this Sangha, from this gathering, from this um, knowledge which Audarya Chandrika selflessly shared with us, that also go around and also help someone else to improve relationship with, <laughs> with herself, with her studies and with uh, all other uh, relationships she is surrounded with. So yes, I found that very, very inspiring. And then I also um, I uh, sent some message to Audaria Chandrika to tell her and to thank her, her. And then she also gave me another tip. She said, also pay attention, maybe when you are hungry or you are very tired or something is maybe with your body that something it, it hurts you, that could be, you know, distracting for you. So pay attention on that. So that also inspired me to see and to think, to contemplate about my relationship with Lord, whether also that uh, distracting me to serve and <laughs> to, to be really attentive listener or servant. So uh, yes, this is the question and this is the task on which I really need to work a lot, but this really opens so many um, inspiring ideas for contemplation and for practice more, for uh, really also eagerness to improve this relationship with the Lord, with the Holy Name and also with the old devotees. So I also in this way would like to thank uh, Audalia Chandrika, uh, first to thank you Maharaj because you inspired her and then to, to thank her uh, because of selfless, self, selflessly shared with us and also help some other people around to improve their ability to communicate better. <laughs> so this is for this time. Thank you. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> we just saw Emangi, um, Gopi, and I were both participating in a conference yesterday uh, as also um, Bhakta, I don't know if we can call him Bhakta Hrivoye. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, we had this three-day conference called Sacred Journeys. It's a very nice group of scholars around the world. And uh, Hrivoye presented on about uh, the practice of Parikrama around Govardhan, and in particular, uh, the Dandavat Parikrama practice. And he prepared a very nice uh, short film about Govardhan and, and the Dandavat Parikrama. And 
people were very fascinated with that. <laughs> I gave a talk, a short, short, these are all very short talks, but uh, I talked about Navadvip as a replication of Raja. Um, and let's see, maybe I'll develop that into an article. Thank you, Maharaj. For, it was very nice. And actually, what I realized about Herva's presentation that all these scholars are mostly amazed uh, with his uh, personal experience he shared. Yeah, so yeah. everybody asked him about it. And yeah, that's really yeah. amazing. Yes, yes. Yeah, because he said he tried himself to do Dandava Prikram. He did for a few hours each day for a few days. So they want to, what was this like? <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. They they are really nice, nice people. They also told me in the beginning, maybe yesterday, because day before yesterday it was uh, depa um, departure day of um, uh, Bhaktirtha Maharaj. So I was like oh. celebrating Tirubhava. So I was attending that. So I was not able to attending. Mm -hmm. But yesterday, they uh, told me that, like, um, I told that I'm also researching peace and somehow how pilgrimage can contribute to that. So they told me, you can, you have this one, this, this, that scientist, you contact me, contact, they, we will <laughs> help you. So they are so friendly yeah. and so nice experience. <laughs> Yeah. They're a very nice group. And one of the leaders of the group, Ian, Ian McIntosh from Australia, was saying uh, that he met the devotees, the Hare Krishnas, in Australia so many years ago, I guess when he was uh, studying. And uh, he always appreciated their prasadam. <laughs> yes. He also said that he also, he, he read Prabhupada's books, that he was also very inspired. And Oh, did he say that? Yeah. Yes, he said that. He said, I, okay, yeah. I, I read some of Prabhupada's books and I'm, I'm very inspired. And yeah. he also said, when you were presenting this um, um, replica of Rindavan in Hungary, then he said, oh, this uh, Shivaram Swami is such an impressive person that I would like to meet him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, good. Thank you. Thank you. Um, let's see what Sugopi has for us. Hi, Krishna Maharaj Pranam. Hi, Krishna. Yes. So, uh, as you have been. Uh, telling about the Chaitanya Charitamrita, we have been hearing from you. So I prepared a PowerPoint uh, some time back uh, and uh, I, would I would like to share that. Please uh, see, share screen. Uh, it's uh, from verse 120 of chapter seven. So uh, in 120, it is about Mayavada philosophy, uh, how Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was telling that uh, this philosophy is actually going to make uh, people quite uh, 
like uh, away from the spirituality basic path of spirituality because they will be thinking themselves as lord mm. and uh, that's what this i made a flow chart kind of a flow chart so it starts with mayavada philosophy what it is about and what what it's leading to like uh, it, uh like the people become like they think that they are insignificant living entities they think that they are the lord and uh, discovers the glory of the supreme supremacy of the lord like the supreme uh, nobody really understands if there is supreme lord uh, is there because they think themselves as lord uh so that's uh, like mayavada think that they can become lord themselves at one point even the swamis there they they see themselves as uh, walking krishna or walking vishnu or lord themselves so and the result of that is that there is no non existence of uh, supreme personality there is no lord supreme lord is the creator which is again uh it delusion leads to delusion and then jiva uh, jiva tatva being equal to supreme lord then atheistic that that is like theistic is to follow uh, that there is supreme god but then this atheistic philosophy this is completely atheistic and then finally the life mission is uh, unfulfilled like uh, i i could recollect this uh, bhagavad gita verse uh, 12.5 that klesho adhiktarastesha avyakta asakta chetasam that there's so much of uh, pain klesha and difficulty for whom they don't realize uh, the lord so and that that's going to uh, like uh, take them completely into delusion and how this can be uh, uh, like countered is uh, given in the purport by prabhupad is that chanting hari krishna maha mantra and uh, i could recollect uh, these verses uh, like uh, in uh, 11 11th canto 5th chapter 32 it has a verse like where uh, it is described that krishna varnam like like taking the names of krishna what happens like uh, one is in the age of kali in intelligent people uh, perform congregational chanting to worship the incarnation of godhead who constantly sings the names of krishna so although his complexion is then uh, the complexion of krishna is described in this verse so how chanting of krishna can really uh, take uh, us near to lord krishna that's given in this verse and uh, the verse 12.3.51 uh, is again like uh, quite quite appropriate in the uh, way that uh, like mm, uh, this like chanting uh, lord krishna's name is again uh, going to deliver us and and it is the yuga dharma of kali yuga that kaler doshe nidhi rajan asti ek mahan guna kirtanya eva krishnasya mukta sanga param brajhe uh so and then deliverance it is there in bhagavad gita 14.6 that mam mam cha ya avicharena bhakti yogena sevate sagunata like one is delivered when one is uh, serving krishna in a way uh, so this is just a flow chart what's uh, the purport of ಪ್ರಭಾತ್ ಹಾಸ್ ಗಿವನ್ ಬಟ್ ಅಗೇನ್ 
who is potent and the personality of Godhead. And everything is emanation of his energy. The first verse of Bhagavatam itself, Janma Adi, Janma Adi, like all the creations, everything happened from him. And then I could recollect uh, this verse 7.7. Where uh, Krishna says, mat, uh, mat parataram na anyat kinchit asti dhananjaya, that there is nothing beyond me. And the present, present in every, he is present in every atom in a way that uh, he says, aham sarva siprabhava mat sarva pravartate iti madhva bhajante maan buddha bhava samanvita. And then that concludes to the point that Jiva Tattva is equal to the energy of the Lord. And the Vishnu Purana verse is there in the purport. And uh, then this Bhagavad Gita 15.7 verse, which says that Mama Eva Amsha Jiva Loke Jiva Bhuta Sanatana Manashashtani Indriyani Kat. So everyone is my portion, Mama Eva Amsha. So, I made a flowchart of the verse uh, so that for easy understanding, recollecting few of the verses. And that's uh, what I wanted to share. <laughs> Very nice. Thank you. Whoops, it went away again. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I like this uh, because it's a nice example of, you've put it in the form of, a, as you said, a flowchart. Um, it gives us uh, a nice idea of how one can uh, make a diagram of, in this case, it's just one verse and one purport. Um, it could be a series of verses. It could be, you know, whatever size you want, you can, you can make, uh, you can organize into uh, some sort of clear uh, sequence of ideas. So it becomes very helpful. As you said, it can help us to remember the points. And it also highlights um, the substance of the point. Um, so something I would encourage everyone to do. It's one way to actively read instead of passively reading, actively read. Yeah. Very good. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Maharaj. It's by all your inspiration and blessings. <laughs> it's interesting. Uh, the one verse you mentioned uh, on the toward the bottom right. Uh, from the 11th canto, this uh, Krishna Varnam Tvisha Krishna, Sangopangastra Parshadam. That's the very first verse of Srila Jiva Goswami's Tattva Sandarbha, which means it's the first verse of uh, the Shat Sandarbhas, the entire six Sandarbhas. So he's putting that right in the beginning. Um, because it's very important. And he's identifying uh, that it's describing Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Uh, Krishna Varnam Tvisha A Krishna. Uh, yeah, and there's a whole discussion to analyze just that one verse. 
So very good. Very. Good. Anyone else have is something you wanted to share today? Here is Avadutaroy Das, my obeisances to your lotus feet. Yeah. If you give me three minutes, something like that. With your three minutes. Something like that. Something. Uh, I did some uh, quote mining on Chintamani, so <laughs> I would like maybe to share that if you allow. You, I didn't quite hear. I did some quote mining on Chintamani. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, because we discussed, we were talking about that last time. Okay. Okay, thank you. Uh, <clears throat> so it's in the Chaitanya Svaritamvita we just read. This is not so philosophical, but I made notes, but Chintamani uh, is so pure, it is said in the Chaitanya Svaritamvita that it, by its touch makes everything else pure. And uh, the opposite of that is when, of course, some dirty thing makes other things impure, of course, Chintamani never becomes impure. That's why the Chintamani is so amazing. So, what I was a little bit looking in the Shastra is uh, what, which things are Chintamani? Pure things turn, influence other things to become pure. And the first thing I would come up with is the Holy Dham, of course. Uh, in the Holy Dham. The ho Holy Dham is a, like a touchstone. The land is made of touchstone and the water is nectar. The trees in Vrindavan are wishful filling trees. This is Chaitanya Charitamrita. And I did remember one story I heard not so long ago that uh, once Lokana Swami, one of the Goswamis, I mean, <laughs> he did send Narutam Dastagur to bring some dust, he wanted to take bath. And then three days, after three days, Narutam Dastakur came back. And uh, Lokana Swami was asking, uh, how, why did you took uh, so long to uh, bring some dust? And then Narutam Dastakur said, well, I was all over the holy dam of Vraja, but everything is Chintamani, there is no any dust. <laughs> so I had to go to Agra. <laughs> but I don't know further the story, sorry. <laughs> anyway, um, according to Krishna's desire, some of his associates perceive the quality of Vrindavana as being composed of touchstone and jewels. Others cannot. The more one's eyes are opened, with the transcendental knowledge of Vrindavana, the more one will experience and appreciate Chintamadidam, Shri Vrindavana. Shri Prabhupada's purport, I noted here down, there is no parallel to Krishna's childhood pastimes exhibited at Vrajabhumi which are the prototypes of his eternal affairs 
in the original Krishna Loka, described as Chintama Nidama in the Brahma Samhita. Then the interesting analogy I defined, what is Chintamani? I actually are the Surabhikas. Surabhikas <laughs> uh, are also like Chintamani jewels because they also fulfill the desires of the devotees to attain devotion to Krishna. And then the other Chintamani jewel-like thing is uh, love for Krishna. And the Prabhupada, in the purport of Chaitanya Sharitamrita, he writes, the five rasas exist eternally and are also compared to metals like copper, bell metal, silver, gold, and touchstone. And I did find a very interesting uh, conversation between uh, Ramananda Roy and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. I will read it out. Shri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu asked, what is the most valuable thing in the world? The reply was, he who has love for Radha Krishna possesses the most valuable jewel and the greatest riches. So Prabhupada in one sentence, he writes, the process of Krishna consciousness is like a transcendental touchstone. <laughs> then other touchstone-like thing, I did find that uh, uh, there is a Sanskrit uh, saying about uh, poetry. I don't know the pronunciation, but I will read out, Gadyam Kavinam Nikasham Vadanti. Prose is the touchstone of poets. And there was a beautiful uh, shloka I did find. Prabodhananda Saraswati is the crown jewel of all the great souls in the entourage of Lord Gauranga. He is the crown jewel of clever petitioners uh, who offer divine golden and chintamani jewel-like prayers. So the poetry actually very much changes the uh, consciousness. And uh, we can uh, remember this uh, pastime of uh, Lord Chaitanya, for example, he was uh, uh, re repeating one mundane poetry. And when uh, Rupa Goswami heard, and also Swaru Damodar, only they could understand that, that actually that poetry reminds Lord Chaitanya on uh, on the meeting of Radha Krishna at, at Kurukshetra. So actually, uh, I also remembered in that connection, uh, I mean about the poetry, that uh, Sri Prabhupada recommends that devotees uh, learn some uh, nice shlokas, and uh, at the time of difficulties, they can recite those shlokas. And uh, it is actually in the commentary in the story about uh, Gajendra, when he struggled a lot, then he at one point he remembered uh, what did he learn from his spiritual master, uh, nice prayers. And when did he recite it? When he uh, did recite those prayers, Lord, uh, I think it was Prishni Garva, immediately came. 
he immediately came. <laughs> so Prabhupada recommends all devotees should learn some nice shlokas and it will, of course, help our consciousness to become better. And then other Chintamani jubal-like thing is the holy name. There is that shloka Nama Chintamani Krishnas, Chaitanya Rasa Vigraha, and the whole book of Bhaktivinoda Thakur is also called Harinama Chintamani. <laughs> and I did find a very nice prayer or statement by Shivaran Swami. I did not down, it's very interesting, uh, poetical. The most wonderful ornament of Radha's neck is invisible, for it resides like a Chintamani gem within her throat. It is the constant vibration of Krishna's names, which also appear on her tongue. So it is a very nice. There are some other things about the holy name. Um, let me see. The deity form of the Lord appears before the eyes and the name form appears on the tongue and from the throat. In this way, the devotee can feel this Chintamanjam in all of their senses and become blessed. This is from Jiva Goswami, one interesting quote. And then uh, just a few more things. Uh, just maybe, a few. <laughs> maybe I should not. I should stop. I don't know. I think we get the general idea. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Hare Krishna. Yeah. So Chintamani refers to the holy dham, the holy name, uh, poetry, um, Radha and Krishna's path in many ways. Um, but all of this um, is not solving my problem, <laughs> which I mentioned last time, which is um, we don't have any experience of uh, what's being described as Chintamani. And the whole purpose of an analogy is to illustrate with something that one has experience of in order to get some idea about something we don't have experience of. Um, and that's not really the case with Shintamani. Nevertheless, um, I think it's in the purport, Prabhupada gives an analogy for the analogy. Uh, that uh, the sun and the sunlight, or yeah, the heat of the sun. So he's giving an analogy, which also Jiva Goswami uses to make the, the point he's making is that uh, the source, namely Brahman, does not change uh, when the energy from the source changes. A very simple point, but um, the analogy is... Well, it's, it's interesting and a little strange. Uh, before we go into that more though with Chaitanya Charitamrita, Vrindavan, uh, sorry, Vrindapati has uh, something to say about Mirabai merged, it's said, 
I heard from someone. That's a that's a good that's a good start. <laughs> I heard from someone uh, that Mirabai merged into Brahma because she was in competition with Srimati Radharani. Hmm. Why is her story so variegated when there were so many Vaishnava biographies at her time? And was she a disciple of Jiva Goswami? Um, and then I heard from someone that Gorgovindamar said that she misinterpreted the concept of spiritual karma. What can I say to all of this? Uh, yes to all of the above, no to all of the above, and maybe to all of the above. I, I don't know. Uh, what I can say is that um, what is told about Mirabai is very much mm, in the category of legend. Um, we don't have, but that's true of of all of these, uh, all of the saints, the acharyas. We have a lot of legends. Uh, the more we go back in time, the more um, creative the legends may become. There have been a, there's been a lot of creativity around uh, the story of Mirabai. And uh, there's a lot of creativity also in songs attributed to her, which is to say uh, there are collections of songs uh, that say, you know, the signature line is Mirabai, but that doesn't mean they're actually composed by her. Same as with Surdas, we talked about that. And uh, the same is very much true of Kabir. Kabir is uh, another, he's uh, considered so-called Nirgun Bhakta. Um, and that's a whole other world in itself. But yeah, a lot of these, especially oral traditions, uh, become extremely fluid. And so to say this is how it was for sure um, 400, 400 years ago, 500 years ago. All we can say is there is a tradition that, uh, as you say, uh, you, she, she merged into Brahman because she was in competition with Raghurani. Yeah, sounds possible. Why not? Um, why is her story so variegated when there were so many Vaishnava biographies at her time? Well, again, the Vaishnava biographies in her time. Um, okay, one reason is she was particularly popular. And I would say it's because of her background and maybe also combined with the fact that she was a woman. That was something special about the fact that she was a Raj, Rajputani, uh, a, a princess. So being of royalty and uh, 
apparently renouncing all of her privilege in order to worship Krishna. And then all of the um, tensions that apparently were there in the family because of her. So we get the story of the attempts to uh, poison her and so on. Uh, it's all very dramatic and it's all, it's all, there's a certain kind of plausibility um, And then the, the, the simple devotion of the songs, which are some of them actually from her, some attributed to her, uh, especially to Giridhari, um, they're inspiring. And there's a, there's a, hmm, there's a certain pathos there, I would say, because of her context because of uh, her situation and uh, the apparent persecution that she experienced. Uh, this relation with Jiva Goswami, that's I think rather legendary, um, but who knows? There's probably the Gaudiya Vaishnavas say that she was a disciple of Jiva Goswami. Um, because uh, that's how Gaudiya Vaishnavas want to think of uh, of Mirabai. And there's no harm in that. <laughs> um, but I don't think we can say anything more definite than that about her. And uh, mis misinterpreting of spiritual karma, I think we'd want to hear something more, what he was saying. Um, best person to ask would be Madhavananda Prabhu in Puri. He's, uh, he knows very well uh, all the teachings of Gaur Govinda Maharaj, his Guru Maharaj. Yeah, sorry, I can't say anything more definite about Mirabai, but that's it. <laughs> and then we have from, oh, Vrindapati, I wanted to ask you, maybe just here we can ask. Um, I mentioned, maybe it was two weeks ago, um, there's a verse which I couldn't find a source for. And I'm wondering if you know in your circle uh, the, with the Sri Vaishnavas and whoever, maybe there's some pundits that um, you could ask to source this particular verse if I send it to you. Yes, please, Gurujim. Yeah, if you send it to me, let me know. I can research it or I can ask um, uh, the pundits if they know if they uh, have any. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. And then we have from Chitrakarni. Um, oh, a question from Andre Yuvaraj. 
he asked me why Krishna is hiding the clothes of the gopis. And when I gave the answer, I couldn't really answer how come just by seeing them without their saris can be considered as their prayers of becoming the wife of Krishna is granted because just by seeing them cannot be considered as becoming husband. How this pastime can be explained clearly yeah, the explanation, as I understand it, is simply uh, that um, this is traditional Indian, we might say Vedic culture, uh, that uh, the only uh, man to see a woman naked should be the husband. And so if a man sees a woman naked, that would be, uh, in, a, in some sense, a way of understanding, oh, so they must be married. So it's a little bit play, you know, it's Krishna's being playful. He's just a small boy, and these are small girls. Um, and in their child, childly, childlike, childliness, uh, they're wishing Krishna to be their husband. And Krishna is reciprocating, as Krishna promises in the Gita. He reciprocates with everyone. But many times, I think we could probably all think of experiences ourselves when we have some desire that we would like Krishna to fulfill, and then he fulfills, but not in the way we expect. Yes. Right? Yes, always. Almost. Always. <laughs> <laughs> so this is what Krishna's doing here also. He's kind of playing, he's having fun. He's saying, oh, you want me to be your husband? Okay. So then he steals away their clothes and... Uh, Okay, now I'm your husband. Ha ha ha. <laughs> Krishna never give completely, always a little bit. <laughs> well, he yeah, he gives to the degree that we surrender. That's yeah. <laughs> and the gopis were uh, praying to uh Goddess Durga, they weren't actually praying to Krishna. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, but Krishna hears the prayer and, uh, well, that's another point. Be careful, you're worshipping some demigod, thinking, I won't tell this to Krishna, so I'll get what I want. But Krishna may uh, he'll overhear the prayer <laughs> and he'll say, okay, so that's what you want. Well, let's see what we can do. Because Andre Yuvaraj is saying that, but, but mommy, this is not a very good joke. You can't hide the clothes of the girl. <laughs> 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 and, and uh, these are very challenging questions actually yeah. and the uh, age of 10 
and he's always in the internet searching the reading the pastimes of krishna and asking me so many challenging questions and now yeah. i understand and i have to really go into very deep of these yes. times because he's just pointing out yes strange <laughs> a lot a lot of as i've said many times the pastimes of krishna described in 10th canto are very much uh, we can say it's condensed. And then Jiva Goswami and um, Kavikarnapura and others, they elaborate. So Jiva Goswami and his Gopal Champu in particular. Um, and so you may find interesting explanations there also. He's elaborating, and by that, he's also, in effect, commenting on the Bhagavatam. Uh, so, it, sorry, Guru Maharaj, can you repeat again? Which uh, article or book do you... Uh, this is a book. Yes, which book? Gopala Champu. Gopala Champu. Thank yep. you, Guru Maharaj. Thank you. Okay. Hare Krishna. Uh, oh, um, Rajali Lavati is asking, what was this conference? It's called Sacred Journeys, and some subtitle, I don't remember. Um, next year, they're planning to have the conference in Piran in Slovenia. Hopefully, because now the last two years it's been online, and they originally planned to have it in Piran. Then they decided the second time, okay, we'll do it in Piran. Oh no, it's got to be online. Okay, third time, we'll do it in Piran. <clears throat> uh, who's organizing it? Um, it's some scholars. I forget. There's a little institute, um, but it's. Um, yeah, University of Indiana and maybe Purdue University, something like that. And then there's a journal of pilgrimage studies. Uh, it's based in uh, College of William and Mary in Virginia. So like that. Okay, what else? Oh. <laughs> Dira Lalita, two questions. Oh, now we're getting to our subject. In Chaitanya Charitamrita 7127, Prabhupada Purport, Chiva Goswami said that actually Shankaracharya didn't understand the Vedanta Sutra and he falsely explained Vivartamada and Parinamavada. Did Lord Krishna make Sankaracharya confused on purpose in the way that he understood Vedanta Sutra wrongly? Was that the Lord's plan? Similarly, in Bhagavad Gita, Arjuna was confused what his action should be in the battle of Kukshetra. But Lord Krishna was there for Arjuna, but he wasn't there for Shankaracharya to help him understand Vedanta Sutra. Hmm. 
I think we have to ask Shankaracharya about this. If anyone can find him. Um, Shankaracharya, yeah, I can just picture it now on one of these talk shows. Now that would be interesting if somebody wants to do a little creative writing, make a talk show in which Shankaracharya appears uh, as the person being interviewed. Yeah, Oprah Winfrey is asking Shankaracharya, so what were you actually doing? Were you confused or what? <laughs> Did Krishna set you up? <clears throat> you agreed to do this for Krishna? Um, so, you know, you're all asking me questions that I can't answer. One thing it reminds me of though is um, an interesting question I found in an introduction to a translation of uh, one of the acharyas followers of, of Madhvacharya, which is, uh, I don't remember the name, but a very strong refutation of Shankara. And the translator in his introduction is raising the question. He says, let us assume that both Shankaracharya and Madhvacharya, or in this case, it may have been Vyasatirtha, um, that both of them are writing based on their genuine realizations. They've actually realized the absolute reality in Brahman. And here's Shankara and he's saying it's all uno. <laughs> and here's Madhva and his followers and they're saying it's two, not one. Famously standing, sitting like this. So how do we understand that? They're both seeing. I think there's a simple answer though. And the simple answer is that Krishna reciprocates with everyone. Shankara wants to see one, he gets one. <laughs> Buddha wants to see zero, he gets zero. And Madhva wants to see two, he sees two. But it's all Krishna. And uh, Krishna's not attached. You want to see me this way, that way? Second question, what Shastra can Vaishnavas use to defeat Mayavada philosophy knowing that they don't accept the Puranas but the Upanishads? Yeah, well, this is interesting question because of course we accept uh, the Bhagavatam and they will say, oh, but that's a Purana and we don't accept the Puranas. But Jiva Goswami argues in the Tattva Sandarva that this is not just Purana. He makes it equal in status uh, to Shruti. And so what you might do is start there 
and see how he's arguing. I can't give you details now, but how he's arguing for the Srimad Bhagavatam as the authority. Um, and then if someone can follow that argument, they can at least maybe be opened up to the idea of, okay, maybe this Srimad, this Bhagavat Purana is special. And then, uh, then you go from there. Otherwise, well, uh, Madhvacharya and his followers have written very strongly various uh, works arguing against Mayavad. Um, but one particular book that I could recommend uh, at this point, nothing comes to mind. Uh, we have our, our own Acharyas, but Jiva Goswami, this is interesting that in the very beginning, verse number six of Tattva Sandarbha, uh, it's part of his invocation. And he says, um, he says basically this, this book, what I'm writing is for the devotees. It's for those who are seriously aiming for pure devotional service. And he says, anyone else who's uh, reading this book, let them be cursed. He doesn't care about them. So he's not, he's not, he's, he's saying in the beginning, I'm not actually trying to um, convert Mayavadis. Yeah, let them have their Mayavad. I'm just uh, giving strength to the Vaishnavas. And where is this coming from? It's all in the Bhagavatam. So if one doesn't accept the Bhagavatam, um, there's no hope. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I think, what Jiva Goswami would say. Thank you very much, Guru Okay. Um, well, we have more from... Oh, we have lots of things. Radha Kripa Kataksha, Chandika. Yeah, personalism. Yeah, that question about Brahman and Shimati Rani. I don't, that's just, I don't know what to think about that myself. <laughs> you can see it as a punishment. Oh, she wants to compete with Radharani. Go merge with Brahma. I guess that would be one way to understand. Um, gosh, time. Um, um, I wanted to, let's try sharing screen. And, uh, well, let's just look quickly at some of the um, of our passage in the Chaitanya Charitamrita. Let's move this up here. Oh. Can't move this away. There. Um, yeah, we came to this uh, 
analogy. Although a touchstone produces many varieties of valuable jewels, it nevertheless remains the same. It does not change its original form. Um, that, I said before, I have little trouble with that uh, analogy as an analogy. Um, and maybe that's because we're in the age of Kali and we don't have uh, Chintamani stones lying around in our possession. If, this is verse 20, 127, if there is such inconceivable potency in material objects, why should we not believe in the inconceivable potency of the Supreme Personality of God? Okay, this is a rhetorical state question. And it's also, I would say, it's, it's, um, it's the analogy. So it's going from what's familiar to what's not familiar. But there's something else, and that is uh, kaimutya nyaya, uh, this, the, the logic of kim uta, the logic of what to speak of. That if you have something small, uh, then the great is, sorry, the small is included in the great. Um, if, the, if X is the case, then how much uh, more will Y be the case? So if inconceivable potency is there in material objects, and we're looking for an analogy for that, Prabhupada will say, well, take the example of the sun. Um, why should we not believe in the inconceivable potency of the Supreme Personality of God. So that is a certain kind of reasoning which may or may not be accepted uh, by someone. In this case, someone will say, and a skeptic might say, well, um, we can't make that analogy because uh, God uh, is of a completely different category. So you're trying to make a case uh, based on this idea of, of potency of an object, how much more it must be for Krishna. So the skeptic may say, well, I don't really go with that analogy. But an, an analogical reasoning uh, is very traditional with respect to understanding God. And we see it in the uh, Christian medieval tradition, um, late medieval, the scholastic philosophers like Thomas Aquinas, they were very keen on this idea of analogy. Uh, to say that God is good, for example, they said, well, you know, good. And what is our experience of good? Somebody is good, um, but tomorrow they're not good. Uh, so they say uh, it's analogically to understand. So we have some idea of goodness. 
Now multiply that by infinity and you can get some idea what would be the goodness of God. <clears throat> but of course you won't be able to conceive that because it's infinite and, our, and we are finite. And so you'll actually, you'll not be able to actually comprehend the goodness of God. But you can still, at least to try to talk about him, you can say, uh, like the good of this world, someone is good, so God is infinitely good. So that's, um, that's the analogy. Now I'm gonna just make a big jump over uh, the purport except to point out that again, Prabhupada is quoting uh, the first uh, sutra of Vedanta Sutra, and then he, here he's pointing to the first verse of the Bhagavatam, Janmadhyasya Yatong Vayaditatascharteshamityasura. And here we get uh, Prabhupada's. Is he giving a full translation? No. He says, I meditate upon him, Lord Sri Krishna the transcendental reality who is the primeval cause of all causes from whom all manifested universes arise, in whom they dwell and by whom they are destroyed. I meditate upon that eternally effulgent Lord who is directly and indirectly conscious of all manifestations and yet is fully independent. Okay, he's translating just the first line of the four lines of the first verse. Um, I just point this out because it's so important. This, this uh, sutra is so important and then uh, the expansion of it in the first verse of the Bhagavatam is so important. And then the whole Bhagavatam is an expansion of this one verse, in effect. And um, again, not much time, but I'm going to stop this and go again to something else. Um, see if I can find it. Um, yes, this is it. Okay, um, I found on the Internet Archive, you can see the link here if you want to find it yourself, of a translation. It looks like it's a complete English translation of Balade Vidya Bhushana's commentary on Vedanta Sutra. And who has done this translation is not identified, which is really strange, considering that the style of the translation is very much of an ISKCON devotee. It refers repeatedly to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. 
but um, the person, whoever did it, does not identify himself, which is interesting, but it looks like good translation. Um, so, you know. Yeah. Okay, so I looked at his commentary, of Baladev's commentary to uh, this sutra, Janmadhyasyayataha, and it's quite extensive commentary. Uh, and I just want to point to this section of that commentary because I'm a little bit thinking about this subject of hermeneutics of interpretation, which we talked about with Professor Ward. Uh, and this is a kind of standard statement. It's actually originating from the Mimamsa, uh, Purva Mimamsa philosophy. Upakramopaksamhara abhyaso apurvata palam artavadopapaticha lingam tatparya nirnaye. So this is telling, this is giving six uh, signs how to in, interpret a passage of Vedic literature. Um, it's kind of, uh, you can expand or contract. That means theoretically you can use this to just understand one single verse, or you could use it to understand a chapter in a book, uh, Bhagavatam, or you can use it to uh, interpret a canto or the whole Bhagavatam. And Jiva Goswami uses it uh, to, in his uh, Sandarbhas to uh, identify the meaning of the Bhagavatam. So, but what I found interesting, okay, here are the six things. There's the Upakrama, the beginning, the Upasamhara, the ending, Avyasa, what is repeated again and again, Apurvata, what is unique and novel, Palam, the general purpose of the book, Artavada, the author's statement of his own intention, and upapatti, the appropriateness um, of that last one is a little strange, but I think we get explanation. So then what he does is he gives us an example of how you could apply these. And uh, as, uh, as a test case, he takes two verses from Shvetashvatara Upanishad, famous uh, verses, Dva Suparna Sayuja Sakaya Samanam Briksha Parishashvajate Tayor Anya Pippalam Svadvatyanashnam Anyo Bichacha Anyo Abhi Chakashiti, Chakashiti, okay. Uh, this is about the two birds in the tree, uh, the analogy. And the second part of this, Samane Rikshe Purusho Nimagno, Anishaya Shochati Muhyamana, Jushtam, Yada 
Pashati Anyam Isham Asya Mahimanam Iti Vita Shoka. Uh, when the, the one bird busy eating notices the other bird, and then, which is the Lord, then uh, he'll become free from his suffering. All his anxieties are gone. Okay, so then he get, oh, I'm not going to be able, uh-oh. Yeah. Okay, maybe this will work. Um so then he gives, takes this and applies these six principles. So the upakrama, what's the upakrama? Dva suparna, there are two birds. Okay, um, see if that works. Upasamhara, the ending. Anyam isham, the other person who is the supreme personality of Godhead. The abhyasa, the repeated feature, is the word anya, the other person, as in the phrases tayor anyo, ashnan, the other person does not eat, and anyam isham, he sees the other person who is the Supreme Lord. Then the apurvata, the unique feature, is the difference between the Supreme Lord and the individual spirit soul. Uh, which could never have been understood without the revelation of Vedic scripture. The palam is the general purpose, is vita shoka. The individual spirit soul becomes free from suffering by seeing the Lord. And the artavada, the author's statement of his own intention, is mahimanam eti. One who understands the Supreme Lord becomes glorious. The upapatti appropriateness is anya anashan. The other person, the Supreme Lord, does not eat the fruits of material happiness and distress. So, and the whole point here, though, remember what's the context that Baladev is giving? He's talking about Janmad Yas Yataha. He wants to highlight this point uh, that one may clearly understand the difference between the Supreme Personality of Godhead and the individual spirit soul. So he's giving very careful analysis of these uh, two verses from Shvetashvatarapanishad to show how the system of hermeneutics works then he can use that to apply uh, to this sutra uh, to make his point. So that's, again, I wanted to give a little, um, give you more of a sense of how Vedanta works, uh, how the discussion goes. Right after this, he'll raise an objection. He'll say, well, yes, but, and there will be some kind of objection, and then there he will refute that. He'll give a reply, and he'll give a quote, and it goes sort of on and on like that. In this way, the uh, the Lord Lord Chaitanya 
is trying to, he's not trying, he is penetrating through uh, the clouds of Vedanta uh, misunderstanding that Prakashananda and the others had. So that they will chant Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama, Hare Hare. Well, here we are again at the end of our session. And I want to wish you all a wonderful coming several days. And uh, if you want to do some homework, You could take, um, what is the next large, I don't have it in front of me just now, but whatever the next longer purport of Srila Prabhupada is, you could take that. There's 127, which is somewhat longer, um, but I don't know what comes after that. And take it means you can read through it and maybe do some, yeah, maybe do some diagramming of it, uh, see what comes out from that. And maybe you'll have some questions as a result or some realizations. So that can be very nice. Okay. I guess we'll end in that way and I'll say thank you all very much indeed and keep well and chant and be happy. Okay. Thank you, Guru Maharaj. Hare Krishna, Guru Maharaj. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna, thank you. Thank you, Guru Maharaj. Hare Krishna, Guru Maharaj. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Guru Maharaj. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.